Welcome to another episode of Pandemic Parenting with Pep, a podcast designed to help parents thrive, not just survive, this extra stressful period of parenting through the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Robbie Fox, a certified parent educator with a parent encouragement program, or PEP, as it's commonly known. PEP has been providing proven, positive parenting education for nearly 40 years through in-person and online classes, and more recently has been offering free webinars and other resources to parents and caregivers struggling with life's current demands and stresses. You can access all these resources through PEP's website at pepparent.org. This is the sixth podcast and final episode in our series, focused on parenting through a pandemic. And last but not least, I'm very excited to welcome our first dad perspective on the topic with Dr. Brian Lewis. Brian is a father to three children, ages 27, 16, and 13. He has worked as a certified parent educator with PEP since 2011, frequently co-leading PEP's classes in basics of positive discipline and productive approaches to anger and power, along with his wife, Catherine. Brian also helped create and lead a series of workshops tailored specifically to helping dads learn new tools for setting kind and firm limits in a less authoritarian manner. Outside of PEP, Brian serves as Physician Chief Professional Officer of the U.S. Public Health Service under Surgeon General Jerome Adams. Captain Lewis is an arrhythmia cardiologist at U.S. Food and Drug Administration's Center for Devices, assuring that new pacemakers and implantable defibrillators are safe and effective. He deploys with the U.S. Public Health Service to support federal emergency response, such as the current pandemic, and we certainly appreciate Brian's role um, on the front lines of this situation. Welcome, Brian. Thanks so much for joining um, me today. Um, as I said, when we, we discussed this idea originally, um, I'm not a dad and I don't identify male. So I don't even know if there's a different perspective for um, parenting as a father during a pandemic and self-quarantine. So I'm really curious to hear what thoughts you might have on that. Um, so starting with what do you think are the key differences between working from home occasionally to working at home full-time with sure. your kids home full-time during this pandemic? Sure. And bookmark it that we'll come back to, do dads have a different perspective? Cause I'll address that too. Okay. So, um, yeah, I do think that one of the issues that, that dads experience, but moms experience as well is, is that if you're a working parent, that you may be working from home one day a week or two days a week ordinarily. And it may be tempting to uh, port or uh, view similarly what's going on when you do that compared to staying home for a month or more with all of the family members in the same space. And the big lesson for me is that it's a return to the basics of positive discipline, which is what I think of um, as these kind of core tenets of uh, curriculum. Um, and that is, is that each of those persons in the space together, um, just like being in a family unit or family relationships, are going to be looking for ways to contribute and belong. So I think the on the ground tasks that come up to make it work when you're stuck at home with a whole bunch of people that you're related to is to think about uh, excellent uh, connecting, excellent communications, excellent building capability. and the needs of life have changed. So that's, you know, that's another, I think, reference to the PEP curriculum that I like to think about is, is that we always want to be flexible to the needs of life, 
and responsive to them, but the, re the needs of life are now different and it requires kind of a different kind of planning and a different kind of family agreements. So I really view this whole situation as an opportunity to relearn and reinvigorate and reinvent the way that your family uses the basics of PEP. Can you give some examples of things that you've had to do during this time to sort of reconnect or recontribute or, or rethink how you're approaching this? Yeah, um, I think one great example is, is that we've never needed an office in the bedroom upstairs because we've always had the sunroom, which is the best place in the house for me to work. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you're going to be respectful of every family member, which is really right at the heart of the PEP curriculum, if you're going to be respectful to every family member, then you have to be respectful to the kids while they're on the school webinars. And for me, that meant uh, taking my phone calls on the, uh, on the deck outside or taking the phone calls up in the office upstairs, which we don't tend to use because it's kind of a, a less desirable space. Uh, and I think bringing that out in a family meeting or a family discussion is a wonderful way to get buy-in and kind of set expectations for the family members, get their ideas. Their ideas might even be better than your ideas. That's one of the things that always surprises me about family meetings. So I would say that it's not just flexibility. Everybody talks about being extremely flexible during the pandemic. I would say it's also really digging into how does your family come up with solutions in advance in terms of agreements or the way that your family would like to, you know, preferred method for your family to deal with things. And I think that the best way to do that is through a family meeting to invite the, um, the input of the kids. And you know, that raises a good point because when this all started hit, we just had no idea how long it was gonna last, right? At first it kind of felt like, oh, there was a blizzard and we have a week off from school. And so we, we kind of made temporary adjustments maybe. And for some, I know even for me, like my workout space, I kind of threw it together in this little thing. And once I, once I kind of developed a, um, or dedicated a space to it and set it up in a nice, comfortable way that was not in the middle of my living space, <laughs> um, it was more workable. So what you're saying is that, okay, we had to sit down as a family and say, this is the new normal. And how can we all um, develop our environment in a way that, that can contribute because having our physical space can help us mentally and emotionally. Right. right? We all kind of know. And I, I love the way you put that because, you know, it really, it, it could be as revolutionary as is that you decided that, oh my goodness, we didn't even realize how big the changes are. Or it could be as incremental as what we tried last week is good, but maybe we'd like to try something a little different next week. I think that excuse for reinventing is always a an option and always an aspect of family meetings that I really like the, the aspect that you say, you know, we, we don't have to come up with a definitive solution every week, we only need to come up with a solution for this week. And if the solution is mostly good, then we'll mostly go with what we came up with. And, and too often we fall into that trap of looking for perfection, right, looking for the perfect chores chart looking for the you know, perfect system and when we really should be looking for progress because when it comes to parenting, perfection, at least in my experience, was not uh, a reasonable goal. Right. I think the perfect chores chart in, in, uh, in kind of part of my mind is that I make it, which is completely inappropriate if you really want to get buy-in from your kids. 
the other thing that that is is kind of perplexing about the perfect tourist chart is um, or jobs chart. The the other thing that's perplexing is that you've already come up with one that works really well, and then everybody just gets tired of it, which is again perfectly okay. That's 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 not a problem to just do away with the old chores chart, the old jobs chart, just because. Right. So what I'm hearing is include them in kind of setting things up and then be willing to make adjustments along the way yeah. and sort of celebrate what works versus what didn't work. Yeah. Um, I think it's been a wonderful opportunity now that graduation time is coming and that we've seen some programs on television kind of acknowledging the graduates to say to the family, we may not have even realized how much we've lost. We may not have even realized how much uh, there is going on ordinarily that is no longer going on. And that might be weighing heavily on the family members. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of being in the home, more often, and I assume your wife Kaki is working there as well. And um, what sort of, uh, I don't want to say systems, but what sort of structure have you been able to put into place with the kids buy-in that, that's worked? Right. So ordinarily, we have a, uh, a whiteboard that lists uh, who's driving the kids to school and who's cooking dinner and who's going to be around at bedtime. And there was a period uh, that I was away on deployment for the U.S. Public Health Service that the chart continued just perfectly with uh, what time are the kids waking up, what time are they supposed to be on webinars at school, who's going to be helping them, but it didn't include me because I was away. The um, moment that I came home, we did away with the whiteboard because it all seemed to be kind of working on its own, and then we went back to the whiteboard because we realized that Nobody knew who was cooking dinner anymore. Nobody knew who was uh, going to make sure that the groceries were, you know, adequate to support dinner. So there's a there's a whole bunch of reasons why I think using a schedule that fits your family, whether it's a uh, uh, a whiteboard or a piece of paper uh, or a monitor in the kitchen. I think the kitchen tends to be the organizing place of the house for most families. And for us, it really worked out well to spend time on Sunday looking at the coming week. For, for us, that's kind of a make or break. Right. Well, and, and that raises a good point. There might've been quite a few households that weren't used to having both parents around. And yeah. then we had to re-enter, and it's the same with these households where their college kids came back. When someone kind of re-enters a system that was right. kind of working, you add that person back in, it is a different dynamic. You kind of have to sit down and say, hey, this is great. We're all here. We're all together, but it does change things, and how's it going to work right. going forward and making sure that you, as the person re-entering, felt that you were able to make a contribution and, right. and counted in the family, but also that they understood that their contributions were still needed also. Right. We had a, an interesting experience with that last year when Samantha, my 27-year-old, came back to live with us for a year. We were ecstatic about that. She was in the middle of a move, and she decided that she wanted to connect with us, especially with the kids. And the version of participation for a 27-year-old is just going to look different than the version of participation for a 13-year-old. So, for instance, she um, uh, recommended or offered that she would be in charge of a completely weak 
oriented rather than day oriented activity. I think it was taking out the trash, but it doesn't matter. I think the question is, is whether everybody agrees and have a sense, has a sense that it's going to be fair to everybody and at least in a rudimentary fashion. And the other is that, um, is that it gave her a chance to establish limits. She did not want to be at every meal, so she did not want to cook necessarily as often as some of the other people in the family. She wanted to establish which you know, meals she might not be at. In, in fact, I think in the end, I think she said, count me out for all meals. I will tell you when I'm going to be included <laughs> in a meal, which worked out fine, you know, as long as right. we didn't have to kind of guess at it on a daily basis. Well, speaking of cooking, uh, your wife, Kaki, has posted some incredible pictures of the creations that your daughters have cooked um, during this pandemic. I've been a little jealous. Um, how has that come about and how has that worked? So um, I, 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 think, I think from my perspective, my, my perspective may not be identical to Kaki's, but from my perspective, um, the question is participation. I think, you know, getting... Uh, young kids involved in cooking where they can do something that's really easy enough for them or a suita suitable for their developmental stage. Um, if you have a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, they're perfectly capable of making nachos or making eggs or making sandwiches for dinner. It's just like the, um, the paradigm of getting a six-year-old or seven-year-old to vacuum. They would love to do it. They won't do a very good job, but you would rather have them doing it and building a love of doing it and feeling welcome to do it than any other solution. So I think if you can get your kids interested in loving cooking, um, it need not be, you know, gourmet cuisine to be considered as success. And are they as anxious to clean up after they're cooking? Has, uh... um, so we have a weekly rotation of the person who cleans the dishes from the sink to the dishwasher when there are leftover dishes that are not each individual person's dishes. So if you put your dish into the dishwasher, there should be a minimum of dishes left in the sink. And our approach has basically been a quotation of Linda Jessup's. And that is, is that if you don't empty the sink, the sink stays full. Um, so going back to kind of having dads and moms, working parents home full time. Um, how does this kind of affect or bear on positive discipline within the mm -hmm. home? Yeah, I think, I think it's a great opportunity to pull out a curriculum or a basic book. Uh, I always like to point people toward uh, a couple of good basic books um, and to, to think about um, setting uh, family agreements, setting, um, in, in fact, a lot of people think about consequences when they think about family agreements. I actually try to avoid the word consequences entirely because I think if you can wrap your head around the fact that everything can be thought of in advance and that you can come up with some agreements with your family, there really shouldn't be a lot of daylight to have to fill in with uh, consequences. And certainly we don't use rewards and punishment, which is the version of consequences that people are most familiar with. So uh, I think being able to go through the schedule weekly, mm -hmm. to be able to go through responsibilities, and maybe to 
pare down the list of responsibilities to only those that you really care about and let a lot of the other stuff go. So for instance, our TV room is not always very tidy. It isn't even on the list of uh, jobs to clean the TV room. And I think that as, um, as we have um, um, occasions, they're not necessarily visitors or parties like usual, um, but as we have occasions come up, then we'll clean that room. But, you know, I, I think a lot of this can come down to trying to keep it as simple as possible to try to um, come up with a jobs chart that works, to come up with a schedule that works, to come up with agreements that work. And uh, the only two things that I would add to that are really um, to, to try to fit in special time. And I, I think special time can be extraordinary, but it's tricky with middle school and high school students because it's no longer fashionable to include mom and dad in some of the activities that are the most fun, like video games. So, and I probably wouldn't enjoy it anyway or know what to do. So we have tried to come up with some options that are interesting to the kids, taking the dog on a walk in Cabin John Park, taking the dog on a walk in the, in the, in the uh, neighborhood, walking around, uh, just saying hello to the neighbors. And one of them that's worked really well for us is to reinvent the front yard in the way that we would typically use the backyard in order that we have chairs always out in the front yard to sit and talk with neighbors. We've even in installed a, um, a portable fire pit, which is not very expensive. You can get them through Home Depot. Um, and uh, the nice thing about it is, is that it's been a pretty uncomplicated way to ask the kids to manage the fire pit, which of course they love to do, to go get sticks in the, in the backyard and to uh, pick up logs from Oftentimes there's free logs available through Craigslist and to um, light up a fire and it's video free time. We find that the fire pit time is very, very much video free time, which is nice. And for those of uh, our listeners who may not be um, uh, familiar with special time, it's the concept of one-on-one uh, -on -one time, parent and child, um, child driven as much as possible, no hidden agenda, no motives to talk about homework or schoolwork or chores or sibling rivalry, but just time to kind of regularly be together and see kind of what bubbles up. Um, That's right. Outdoors, walks, time in nature, especially with the, those middle schoolers doing those activities where your eyes aren't necessarily meeting when you're doing parallel activities can be right. um, very ripe with conversation. Um, at least that was my experience. Um, it's been, you know, I live around the corner from a large park area. And I tell you, one benefit of this pandemic is the number of families with kids of all ages out together. It was common to see dads with kids on the weekends without mom. And I pictured it as, you know, mom at home getting done whatever she needed to get done around the house and told dad, get these kids out of here. But it's been really heartwarming to see the parents together with the kids um, you know, drawing with chalk little obstacle courses along the, the path. And, um, you know, it's, that's been a benefit I, I've seen. Have you experienced that as well? We have. We never uh, used to invite my parents to sit outside to just sit together. And my parents were uh, reminiscing that that was very common in the 50s and 60s to have family members visit each other to sit outside in front and just talk. So I think I think you're you're spot on. I think that one of the inadvertent benefits of the pandemic has been that people are trying to 
get six feet apart from family members and neighbors, but yet share the connection of conversation. Right. And even with the playgrounds closed down, you know, they're having to fly. I've seen a lot of kite flying, which I never saw before. Um, a lot of, you know, soccer playing and, and ball playing and, and that sort of thing and bubbles. And um, it does bring you back to that earlier time when I can remember catching fireflies was a highlight of this time of year. <laughs> you yeah. know, just in the backyard and catching fireflies. So that has been one of the of the benefits. Do you think there's anything else unique to um, providing parent education to dads rather than, than moms? I do. Um, so for one, um, I have a theory and it, it's my theory that uh, dads have experienced something similar to what our kids experience. Um, at least some dads commonly experience this. And that is, is that they may not be the uh, most um, experienced or most um, expert member of the family when it comes to certain um, tasks that, let's face it, there are many tasks that the mom of the family performs more than the dad. Um, many of those tasks are care of the family. And I think if uh, dads are given the opportunity to try those tasks and to take first crack at them, that's the 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 phrase that I like to use that kind of calls to mind the whole paradigm that if you um, are the parent who knows how to do things extremely well, and there's a parent who is still learning those tasks, give that person first crack the same as you would be tempted to give your kids first crack, because um, the more you do that task for them, the less they're going to learn it or feel enabled to take a try and perhaps fail at that task. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I think that if you uh, divide and conquer the tasks that the parents are going to be performing um, according to, say, a schedule or an agreement with your family, if the dad is taking care of the dog and the dog is walked or fed or, you know, given their medication or whatever it is that you need to do with the dog um, on a schedule that's slightly different than expected, perhaps the best thing to do wouldn't be to ask that parent, you know, look, it's 930. By this time, the dog should have been fed or walked, but to um, see what happens next. Because I think that we do talk about in PEP that the natural consequences are an excellent way to learn. And oftentimes, um, whether it's a child or a dad or a mom, um, being responsible and contributing to the family is one of the fundamental ways that people get their um, their feeling of self-worth, their feeling of contribution. It's uh, one of the most fundamental ways that people really feel good about themselves. And the more that they are kind of led by the hand to do those tasks, I think oftentimes the worse. So in the moment, I like to think of it this way, is in the moment, the coaching is not necessarily welcome or helpful. But I think looking back um, out of time, um, is oftentimes the best time to think about how did that go? Um, what, what happened? How did that go? What would we like to do next time? As opposed to leading your children and quite frankly, leading your dad by the hand, the dad by the hand and saying, you know, I noticed that it's a minute late for feeding the dog. What are you thinking? I think that most people will not respond well to that. What they need is, is they need to either accomplish it on their own schedule, which may not be perfect, 
or fail, which is a terrific way for people to imprint in their brains that the task is real, the task is undone, the task needs attention without being kind of led to do the task. We learn from our mistakes. Yeah, we need to yeah. that intrinsic voice that says, this is what happens, right. when I don't do what I'm supposed to do, right? Right. Um, well, Brian, this has all been great. Anything else that you'd wanna share with, with dads, working parents? Yeah, so I think one of the things that's been so interesting over the years is to learn that um, uh, parenting education has really evolved over the years. And I think that what, what any parent might have imagined parenting education to be might be quite different than what you actually experience when you either take a webinar or a class or read a book. I think that um, it's surprising to people how much has changed when it comes to what works and what doesn't work. And I find that looking through the curriculum and the books and the webinars, there are just so many wonderful tools that you can add. I always like to think of it as another golf club for your bag. And um, I think that dads and moms both really appreciate having more tools to put into their, into their toolbox, but it doesn't come from imagining it or from trying harder or from getting to know your child better. I think it really comes from listening to some voices of um, mentorship and, um, and, and authority, some really great experts. I mean, we have some really great experts out there. But the other thing too is, is that I think dads are also um, especially interested, um, according to some focus groups that we did for the parent encouragement program, to get together with other dads, to compare notes with other dads, to share their observations with other dads, and uh, to meet in a, in a casual environment, uh, an environment that has drinks and food. And uh, experientially, we've also found that the sessions with the dads that include those elements also work really well. So I'm looking forward to getting over the pandemic so that we can get some of those sessions rolling again. Webinars, that's easy. We can always do webinars whether there's a pandemic or not. But I do think that dads express preferences for specific ways of approaching this. And I think that they feel especially comfortable on the front end um, hearing from other dads and expressing themselves to more, you know, to other dads. Well, you raise a couple of great points. You know, one is that all these tools, what's the dirty little secret about it is they also apply out in the world with, of work. Um, you know, you, the, the gift of encouragement and consequences, all those sorts of things work in our work environment and our adult relationships as well as with our kids. I mean, that's one of the things I definitely learned um, from PEP. Um, and the other thing is just about, you know, reaching dads. I know in the Thriving with Teens classes, we typically have at least one dad. Our classes were on Friday mornings, but we typically had at least one dad. And I just, I always felt better when there were at least two, because I felt like they felt like they had, you know, some kin kinmanship <laughs> and didn't necessarily feel that they were kind of the token, um, uh, and they're going to be the brunt of every, you know, dad comment of, of the room. But I always appreciate um, the perspectives uh, that that's offered when we had a co-ed group of parents. Um, that's so great. There is one thing that I like to talk about about the workplace, and that is, is that it's, I think it's exactly as you said, it's, it's incredibly powerful to bring encouragement to the workplace. The one um, kind of one-for-one -one relationship of PEP curriculum that 
I think does apply very well in the workplace is actually I think special time is your one on one meeting with your coworker. I, I, I think of that one on one meeting with your coworker in many ways as being special time because especially for a, a, a supervisee who is uh, feeling a little bit lost or feeling like they're not getting that connection comes to the door knocks on the door. Are you free now? I think it can structure and be more respectful of both parties to have not only a set aside time, but also to look forward to that time and to batch together concerns and questions for that time. It doesn't mean that you're going to spend less time with the person, but I think that decreasing the amount of time that you're kind of pestering your boss um, makes everybody feel better. You know, I, I, I'm happy to bring my concerns to my boss at that time. That's the time to bring those concerns and to have that conversation. No, that's a great point. It, it does save us time in the long run. We think, oh gosh, I don't have the time to do this, but we, if you do invest it in the right way, that correct people and with our kids or coworkers, whatever, it does save time on the back end that we don't realize. And hopefully in the workplace, this whole online stuff that won't get lost, you know, that, that supervisors are still being able to meet one-on-one -on -one with supervisees, either by phone or um, online or, or what have you. Um, because I think what we've all realized through this whole thing is connection is just key. Um, you know, without connection, it's very difficult to communicate. And I think that those two right there cover a big, big part of the spectrum, just getting things started relating to other people and getting into routines, schedules, agreements, responsibility, roles, all those kinds of good things that are ground level tasks. They all depend on good connection and good communications. Right, which you've mentioned the, the family meetings a, a few times as being a great um, mm -hmm. facilitator of both of those. Well, I'm going to end with a little rapid fire segment that I like to do uh, just as a way of sharing um, information with our listeners. What would you say is a favorite parenting resource that you kind of your go to resource, maybe a book or a podcast or um, something along those lines? Okay, so I'm going to stay out of trouble, and I'm going to say the good news about bad behavior, which is a book. Up for that. that. Written, yeah. okay. It was a book that was written by somebody that I know, and that I happen <laughs> to be married to, and it's a wonderful book. And I think that the the greatest contribution of that book is is that I think that it allows people to see the big, big task of creating connection communication as being primary. So that, that to me is, is wonderful. The other is, is that I think it's a quick read. And I think that if you are hoping to do a great job as a parent, I love Jane Nelson's original book, Positive Discipline, not the versions written for particular age groups, but the thin, straightforward, old, traditional book by Jane Nelson, especially if you can do the audio version where you hear grandma Jane Nelson speaking the truth directly to the microphone, it's, it, there's nothing like those two books. I think those two books are really great, especially the audio versions. I, I listened to the audio version of Kaki's book, uh, The Good News About Bad Behavior, and enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. All right, so that was The Good News About Bad Behavior um, written by Brian's wife, Kaki Reynolds-Lewis. Um, Catherine, yep, Catherine, Catherine Reynolds-Lewis. <laughs> commonly referred to as khaki, but um, a great book. Okay, what is your favorite parenting tip? Um, so, um, you know, I like to, I know this sounds like a little bit of a downer, but I like to help 
people entering the positive discipline curriculum understand that if you only watch TV and movies, you would think that parenting is really dependent upon just a few really clever things to say. And I could not disagree with that more. I think that what parenting really depends on, and this was a, a concept that Vicki Huffel uh, articulated, is rather than uh, kind of being an ever-present debate partner or conversational partner with your kids, to try to lead them standing a little bit to the side and a little bit behind them. And I think that um, it's, it's wonderful to be a support to your kids and to not coach them in the moment, to stay kind of out of their hair in the moment, not come up with clever things to say in the moment, but to be there for the recap moment, which is really, in, in many ways, that's really where the, the best opportunity is to impact your kids is to go back over their day and ask them, you know, how did that go talking with grandmother when she seemed to be talking about one thing and you seem to be talking about another and it seemed like it was getting frustrating. What do you think was going on there? Okay. My last question is what is your favorite family tradition or um, favorite thing to do for family fun? Um, boy, I'll tell you this fire pit thing, it is really, it is so much fun because it brings into, um, into the mix, uh, getting the kids sitting around kind of, uh, uh, just fidgeting and listening and talking and joining in. I think it's really great. It has no videos involved. I really, I'm really enjoying that. I would, I would encourage people to sit outside together during the pandemic and watch the sun go down see the stars come out and talk together. Nothing better. Um, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time today yeah. to join me and, and for all your work with, um, with PEP and especially with Reaching Fathers and also for your work on the front lines of this public health thank you. Um, issue. I uh, really appreciate all your efforts there. Um, all of us at PEP, thank you for joining us and hope that you have found some helpful tips through this podcast series. As we consider expanding and continuing this series, we'd very much appreciate your feedback. Please drop us an email at office at petparent.org, letting us know what you enjoyed about the series, what you would like to see changed, and what topics you enjoy hearing in future episodes. In the meantime, please remember to check out the hundreds of resources on PEP's website, petparent.org, including details on PEP's upcoming live online programs, on-demand videos, blog posts, and many other resources as parents face the challenges of pandemic parenting on top of the ones of everyday parenting life. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please share them with your friends and family. Thank you for joining us. I'm Robbie Fox with the Parent Encouragement Program, today joined with Brian Lewis, reminding each of us that it takes courage to be imperfect, especially when it comes to parenting.